Hello, hello. This is Postgres FM episode number 70. My name is Nikolai and together with me is Michael. Michael, hello. Hello, Nikolai. What do you think we should discuss today? Well, this week was your choice, right? Um, I think you've picked a nice topic that was a listener suggestion. So I think we've simplified it to data model trade-offs. Is that a fair summary? Right, right. Purely relational. Let's emphasize that we are going probably to keep JSON, JSONB columns as a separate topic. We had it already. They specified uh, with respect to PostgreSQL internals almost as a... Internals, okay. So there's, that's quite a nice way of looking at it. It's what could come up as a result of PostgreSQL-specific implementation details that should make right. us consider data model decisions. Right, so Postgres uh, allows a lot of columns to be present in a, one, in a single table. How many? 250? A, a lot, no? yeah. I'm not actually sure. I think Maybe it's more. One? There is some limit. Oh, yeah. okay. Poor preparation. Okay, anyway, anyway, you, you can have hundreds of columns in a single table. And you can have indexes on those columns. Or you can go and implement Boy's code normal form, right? And so on. And like, I mean, there are many directions to move. And uh, of course, everyone wants a very good performance and the compact storage and so on. Is it so? Maybe not everyone. Well, I, I think, I think most people care about performance on some level, but it's, I think it's easy to list three or four things that almost everybody cares about more. Like, like durability, for example, or everything in ACID, <laughs> you know, there's a reason that people pick Postgres and pick old databases and trust old databases more than some of the newer ones is because they care about things more than performance, I think. I, I would argue that anyway. Well, well, well right, but this, if the question is related to internals, I, I guess we should think about performance, first of all. And, and performance in terms of uh, various aspects of it, like read time, write time, um, various overhead uh, we, we can have. And so to me, the, like if we all simplify the question a lot, it's a question, how wide should be our table? How many columns we should afford? Or should we normalize versus denormalize? Or should we have a lot of columns in one table or fewer columns and more joins when needed? It's not directly the same questions, actually, right? Because, uh, of course, uh, sometimes, of course, denormalization is when it's done on purpose, like in intentionally. It means that we extend the, the same table, putting more columns there, although those columns should be somewhere else, for example. But sometimes it's very different things. Like, and we just, if we just follow, like, normal theoretical approach normalizing our model we can easily end up having a lot of columns in a single table a lot of them because usually if you think about some social media application or some mobile application usually if it's a big project growing project we have some entities uh, which are like central to our model for example user table or for example if you have kind of organizations or projects or something, these tables are going to be central. A lot of other tables will have 
foreign key pointing to this central table. And eventually this central table is, table is going to grow in terms of width. You will add more and more columns because you need to track something. Sometimes just because of denormalization to avoid extra join and maybe aggregates, like count, right? Sometimes just because the complexity grows and you just need to keep more properties. And each property in pure relational approach, it's just a single column. New property, new column, right? Attribute. Uh, so, so what's, I mean, I think the the obvious question is, why is that a problem? Why is a wide table mm. a problem? Good question. <laughs> well, there are, obviously there are strong trade-offs here. On one hand, extending in terms of width our table is not a problem. We know how to do it with zero downtime very nicely. Uh, Postgres 11 brought us uh, default for existing rows without like virtual default, I call it. It's not official name, but this is actually what happens. Instead of rewriting whole table when you add the column with default, uh, it's it's stored virtually for all old records, right? And you just uh, your alter is very fast, so we know how to deploy changes with zero downtime, with proper testing, all good. Then we create indexes. We've created index concurrently because obviously more columns means more indexes because some some columns you want to be present in indexes because you filter order and so on. But uh, trade-off is, on one hand, it's good to have a lot of things in one table because you can achieve single index scan or single, single index-only scan for many queries. Because if you need to join data with, from multiple tables, uh, you cannot have single index scan. You can't index, have a single scan, full stop, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because index cannot be defined on multiple tables and the only way to do it is to define materialized view and deal with all issues it brings because it will be cut. Like it, it, you, it will need maintenance and proper mm -hmm. use. Uh, so if you have multiple tables, let's consider a simple example, one-on-one -on -one relationship. Somehow you ended up having, like for example, a user's table and users extra properties, for example, travel. And somehow you decided it. And it's maybe not a good idea because uh, you cannot, for example, filter or order by just with index scan using columns from both tables. For example, you want to search by email, lowercase, or case insensitive CI text data type. And at the same time, you want to use some extra field in this search or, or, or order by it. And in this case, you, Postgres will need to choose one of three join algorithms and apply uh, like nested loop or merge join, depending on, even if, if it's a mail, probably it will be nest loop or something like that, right? So it, it won't be looking super cool because super cool is like index scan, index only scan. I'm, I'm not saying joins are bad because join, joins in Postgres quite optimized, three algorithms. In many cases, they work very, really well, but you cannot beat the performance of index or even in, in more important index-only scan, right? So to have that, you need to bring those columns in the main table, users, for example. 
And in this case, you can define a multi-column index and your query will be super fast. You will have like just a few buffer hits to find those one or a few rows and it will it will be below one millisecond for sure, right? And that's great. Well, that's it. End of, end of story. Let's let's have I don't a lot think of that's columns. It. <laughs> no, no, no. Sometimes I say, okay. Sometimes even if we perform normalization like we learned from theory, at least to third normal form, very good situation already. And then I say, okay, maybe we should go back and denormalize just to have index-only scan and avoid joins. But this is just, yeah, just one part of story. Another part of story, there are many issues you will have when you have a lot of columns and indexes. And this relates a lot with previous episodes we had recently, over-indexing two weeks ago, right? I think, is there an even more fundamental problem by the design of Postgres? We've, we've got, we store data as a row, like as a, a in tuples in pages, right? And... Because we're doing that, if we've got really wide rows, we reduce the number of tuples per page that we can store. So as soon as we're accessing multiple, like we, we might get that index only scan, but if we're frequently only reading from a few, like a couple of those columns, and maybe they're slight, they're really narrow columns, those being on a separate table to the, the wide ones that we're infrequently accessing, uh, is an argument against the white table for read performance. So uh, even if we only focus on read performance, I think there are some arguments to have splits like that. Yeah, makes sense. Right. Uh, but again, you can compare for your particular case, you can conduct a few experiments and compare exactly with explain and analyze buffers. You will see how many buffers, how much your each approach uh, gives you. And I, I suspect for reads in not in, in all cases, but on many cases for reads, wide single table will still be good, even if it's toasted, right? If we exceed two kilobytes for a row, like roughly, it will be toasted, and so on. It means it's actually implicit join, right? Because to find those chunks, Postgres yep. will need to perform. But uh, buffer hits or reads will show this. As well, the problem, the second side of this coin is that extending the number of columns we have in the table, we have two big issues coming. They can come not like not in a in acute form. They can come slowly and increasing mm -hmm. over time and and accumulating. This so two problems. First problem is that how writes are working. Uh, I mean, how updates and uh, actual updates, how updates are working. We updates means uh, an update in Postgres means that the whole tuple is copied, right? And this means that if we have a lot of columns, which we, like you said, access not often during update, we need to copy them. So this is first part of the first problem. Second part of the first problem is indexes. More columns is natural, usually means more indexes because again, you need to work with indexes, uh, you need some additional, to work with columns, you need additional indexes. And uh, if you update a row, uh, it means, or if you insert a row also, it doesn't, it doesn't affect delete, but again, I, I, I had this mistake a few times. Delete doesn't matter, but inserts and updates, 
they will need to change all indexes you have. You have more many columns, you have many indexes. To update just one column, you need to, or to insert a row, you need to update all these indexes. There is a heap only tuple update optimization, but it doesn't work often. Like, I mean, it doesn't work always. It requires two conditions to be met, and uh, it's not always happening, right? So if we have a lot of columns, we need to write more. We need to update indexes often. And this makes our writes very heavy, right? And it gives a lot of work for RotoVacuum, for example. Simple example. If you decided to put a counter to avoid the slow aggregates, for example, we talked about users. Okay, how many like comments this user left in various places of our system? Or how many posts this user created? I'm speaking uh, in terms of uh, some abstract social media application. If you put like post count in, as a column to users table, you will need to update it quite often. And all columns will be copied all, all, always. And all indexes will need to be updated uh, when it's, this update is not hot. Or if, if it's insured, but okay, here we talk, talk only about updates. So uh, if, if update is not hot, all indexes will be updated. It's called index write amplification. One of the reasons Uber decided to go back to MySQL. So, so what does it mean? It, mean? it means that probably we need to think carefully. If, if this is a central table specifically, which will be used in many, many queries, and also if, it, if it's a central table, it also will be often used as just single index scan just to find the current user, for example. Who is working? We need to find current user. Of course, you can cache it. But still, you, you, you need to find this user, right? And then you need to update it. So probably it's wise to keep this counter in a separate table, one-on-one -on -one relationship, like user extra data or something. And count is there. And it will be narrow table, only some numbers, and foreign key to the main table. And uh, you just, and unique also key to, to maintain this one-on-one -one relationship. Maybe it's primary key as well. So you just update uh, this counter. Maybe there are main, some other counters or timestamps. Another example here is like, like last blah, blah at, for example, last updated at, last, last commented at, last created some post at. Some timestamp, it's like usually 16 bytes timestamp with time zone or without, usually you, sh mm -hmm. you should prefer with timestamp, time and it's like 16 bytes. And uh, keeping it separately and just having an, an extra join when needed, maybe it's a wise approach because the ma main table remains untouched if you need to uh, update it often, right? And the index write amplification is uh, lower because only a few indexes there, which probably just one index actually. You probably don't need to index those extra columns like counters and uh, timestamps. Sometimes you do, of course, but in many cases you don't. And in this case, it's just one or a few indexes to be updated. Index write amplification is not high. Uh, it's not a big problem anymore. Yeah. And we avoid a lot of bloat on the main table, right? Or a lot of... Um a lot right. of additional work on the on the main table as, as well as the right amplification we also don't have to 
free up or reuse that space efficiently in the in the heap is that presumably there's an impact on the right head log the amount of work we're doing in the right head log as well well yes it, it is so but we also have full page writes right so full page write means we we need to write full page anyway but for sub, uh, subsequent uh, writes uh, between until next checkpoint if you need to update very narrow table tuples are small in this case of course uh, amount of data written to wall becomes smaller so you're right it's a, another good reason right so we if we write less wall data it means uh, less uh, pressure on backups and uh, replication systems yep, right exactly but again you need to join so yeah probably like we end up with like this approach if this is something like counter or timestamp or something which is very often updated but it, we don't need index on it it's good to keep it in, in a separate table and one other condition, if we don't need, if, if it's not like highly correlated to something else, if we don't need statistics, uh, like, is it called multivariate statistics? If we don't need to define those, uh, anything that's single, right. like all the single table features we have, this applies to as well. Right. Oh, and I thought of one other, uh, I said I thought of it. I remember reading a really good blog post by Haki Benita on this topic. So we've got the frequently updated columns that we should consider or that it might make sense to move out into a separate table. And we have these, uh, well, large or medium sized text. Now, large ones more than, I think you already mentioned the two kilobyte number. We all Postgres already handles those for us using toast. Awesome. But it, it kind of shows that there is a point where it becomes beneficial to do this join. We get some other features in there as well. Um, but there's this weird case like below two kilobytes that there's an argument that medium sized text should be, you'd consider moving those out as well. If you've got comments or something that are like one kilobyte on average, having those in your, in your pages means you're, you're only going to have maximum four or what would it be? Eight four, tuples four per comments. page. Yeah, exactly. Tuples. Four, four, Keep four. saying that one. Two, two. Well, I also, I, I was, yeah. I'm also switching <laughs> back and forth. Uh, tuples or tuples four if it's a uh, page is eight, uh, eight kilobytes two kilobytes like four roughly four per, per page yeah 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 so it's interesting point another interesting point is vice versa if some column is like very off very rarely used very yeah. rarely but it needs index then also probably it should go to this extra table for example token Activation token. Interesting, yeah. If you put activation token to users table, it, it's becoming f like like forever passenger, not doing useful work anymore at all. But you keep uh, keep uh, having it in all updates. You copy, copy, copy in all raw versions and tuples. Why? And, reads. <laughs> and returning yeah. that data to the and cloud, reads. Like it's bloating, well. bloating reads and. Uh, yeah, if we do, if we do need it one time, although it's, it requires, usually, usually token requires index because you find row, like using token, you find who this token belongs to, right? The owner of this token. So you need the index. But in this case, you do, you need it to just like once per lifetime of user or maybe when it, the user resets password or something. It's so rarely. So keeping it in separate table, even if it's with index. 
it's a good idea and it, it yeah it, it compacts the storage and memory representation uh, less bytes uh, used in shared buffers because probably you yeah. deal it once you then you forget about it and never read anymore to shared buffers until yeah. a password reset is required one more time that's a really yeah. great point i've got another question for you if you've got a really large um, if you're like chucking some HTML into Postgres for some reasons, but that makes sense for your use case in in this case, and maybe it's potentially megabytes or something of data. Now we could rely on Toast for this, but we could put it, we could proactively put it in a separate table and use, and it would still use Toast, right? But to avoid like the, it's almost the developer experience. If if some uh, somebody's accidentally running select stars or, or doesn't isn't aware of the impact of fetching that data and does a select star if you're, if you're having to support those kind of queries not having it be possible to have to fetch you know megabytes and megabytes of data from the server by mistake when when they probably don't need it might be an interesting idea oh definitely so definitely if you look if it's uh, some project which was developed during many years and if you look to these these central tables especially like users like i said or project organization organizations and so on they are used a lot and of course you can check those level with various queries it's easy and if they started to be toasted of course select all columns including those which uh, you don't actually need usually you need it often but you need only a few few columns to check that this user is still active right no like it's not this user is not banned for example or project yeah. is still active is visible it's just a few most important columns which required often mm -hmm. others can be offloaded but again there is a trade-off here you yeah. if they are offloaded but with indexes uh, you need to join and postgres planner choosing form of join and indexes it will be sometimes less performant than just single index scan right so it's it's an art you need when you build something you need to predict future and this comes with some experience you need to think okay these columns do will we need them often will we need indexes on them and based on the answers here we can decide to offload them to this extra table right so the second problem is over indexing we discussed it if you have a lot of columns you have many indexes you quite often have single index scan or index only scan. This is the perfect uh, plan you always want to see because it's usually either sub millisecond or few milliseconds only, depending on the number of rows and hardware. So if you have this, you start having a lot of indexes and not only it's right index right amplification problem. It's also the problem we discussed exceeding 16. 15 indexes actually even if your query deals only with single table but it has many indexes if you don't have prepared statements used planning each time this planning will be slower and exceeding this number of logs 16 table plus 15 indexes already 16 17th index uh, locking will be with fast path false so without fast path for log manager and it will be much slower than with fast path. And it means that if it's central table and uh, QPS for queries involving this table, especially simple queries, 
they can be very frequent queries, high QPS. In this case, contention for simple queries might hit performance a lot. So you will see lightweight log, log manager in weight events, in PGZ activity, or in like for our, on RDS performance insights, uh, Cloud SQL has it as well. Timescale, I think, has it as well. Weight event, weight event analysis will show you weighting on lightweight log, uh, log manager. And this will happen with very simple queries, primary key lookups or some index scans, finding single row, just because you have a lot of indexes and queries very frequent. So offloading might help again. If you think, okay, this table is going to be central in my system. And these columns I do need. Most of them will be indexed, but I won't exceed this magic 16 number. I mean, for indexes, it's 15. And in this case, I will, I will be able to have thousands, maybe dozens of thousands of queries per second to this table because I need it, right? Not, not everyone needs uh, such, such performance, of course, right? By designing for such performance means you need to avoid having more than 15 indexes per table. This should be a rule for high, high frequent or you, high frequent tables or, or you can just use prepare statements. It won't uh, eliminate this problem completely, but it decreases it. It decreases it because you eliminate planning time for primary key lookups. You execution time might be even bigger than planning time. So, so you shave off a lot of milliseconds, microseconds from uh, this duration and contention also can happen, but at higher QPS. So you postpone this problem if you do need to have more than 15 indexes. But having less indexes is uh, good because log manager won't have contention uh, if you deal only with single table. Uh, and we can table. refer people to the over-indexing episode. Over-indexing, right. I've got a theoretical question around that, though. Not something I've ever seen become an issue as a result of this, but if we follow this pattern in a few places in our database and we've split table uh, things that are logically one table into multiple we're going to have more joins and there is a, there's a couple of limits. Is it from collapse limit and join collapse limit? And I eight. think, mm-hmm. is it eight? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, By default. I knew it was, yeah. And that we could quite quickly reach eight relations. Um, if Definitely. we join. So yeah. then, yeah. So you might, if you're doing this, you might also want to just check that any of your complex queries that involve a lot of joins don't flip plans or you're not getting some strange, I think it switches to, is it the, is it called the genetic query optimizer, something like that? Genetic query optimizer. Yeah, right. It's, it's, I'm checking uh, 12. I always keep forgetting 12. genetic query optimizer threshold is 12. So if you reach 12 uh, relations, by the way, here we mean uh, tables, not indexes, because yes. uh, previously uh, we counted both uh, tables and indexes when we talk about locking. Here we talk about tables, and uh, yes, if you have, if you join 12 or more tables, it means that genetic query optimization starts happening. It's hard to understand th- this thing, how, to, how it works, right? And, and uh, maybe you are, you are good, maybe you are not. So I, I, in general, I, of course, aim to have good performance and joints are fine, but usually I try to avoid joining too many 
tables. And how to do it? Generalization. In this case, yes, we need white tables. It's worth saying that what I just described, it's uh, about very high TPS, high QPS. Right? So if you have hundreds of queries per second, good, good hard hardware, you probably will never see this log manager contention. But in this case, of course, denumerization is one way to reduce the number of relations participating in query. Another way, of course, sometimes we, we do it, sometimes we just, okay, we read something and then we read something in different query. It's also uh, possible, True. but yeah. Or uh, do you know, like if we use with, with materialized keyword, meaning we intentionally put optimization fence there means that these steps will be performed like this threshold is considered separately right so Ooh. if you i mean if you if first step was six tables second step is six another another six tables plus previous results of course i don't I know think, what happens with joint collapse limit yeah. there I think it's separately. These uh, sub-queries, even it's a single statement, these sub-queries physically, it's, it's separate cool. thing, right? Because it's, we have materialization step, right? And we just, in memory, we have like temporary tables, like so to speak. It's not a table, but just some data, right? It, it, it's used like a, uh, like a table. It's, Makes like, sense. We yeah. can join with it, right? In this case... Uh, uh, splitting to multiple steps using CTE might help as well. I, I, I guess, like I, I actually, I, I see some overloaded in terms of number of tables used queries quite often, but usually we find like some ways to simplify them. Sometimes a lot of tables participate almost for nothing there. Like, you know, it was like just convenience. Let's join this, let's join that. But then you ask like, why? If you want good performance, maybe you should just make it lighter, right? Not so heavy. In, in this case, you just reduce the number and it's, it quickly becomes below 12. Right? So, but uh, I don't know. Maybe genetic optimizer is a good thing. I think only a few people in the world know, know exactly is it good or not. <laughs> it's like some mystery, right? Yeah, well, one, one thing to bear in mind is that unlike uh, previous topics we've had, this is a configurable limit. We, you can change right. this number with the caveat that, that you to keep an eye on planning time, basically, the reason these yeah. limits are in place. Uh, and you can uh, do it dynamically. You can change it yeah, for one true. query, change back before another query. Same with uh, join from collapse limits. But it's not the same with thresholds uh, I described, like with this fast fast path locking related yeah 16 it's hard code hard coded constant there's is there anything else you want to cover i've got one more thing on the denormalization yeah, I, front i wanted to mention that what i described uh, we have recent uh, benchmarks uh, th thanks to my co my co-workers uh, especially vitali and dmitri they did good benchmarks and uh, let's put links to description very detailed, you, every, everyone can repeat them as usual. So th these benchmarks show like the effect of having extra indexes, for example. Sure. And uh, yeah, I actually, until recently, I never thought that having extra indexes is uh, affecting planning time 
significantly like five percent, ten percent of uh, of overhead in terms of time. And I also never thought it's related to this topic. Actually, we discussed today: more columns means more indexes, more indexes faster we, we reach this 16 threshold. So it's interesting. I, I, I must admit it's new to me. This is what I uh, want to that's say. That's cool. Yeah. On the last question I had, um, I, the case I see most commonly for demon normalization is around, like, for example, with a software as a service company wanting to partition a large table by account ID or, or your equivalent, you need to have that on the table in order to be able to do so, right? So like that's quite a, so it could be like a, not only for read performance, but also in preparation for something like partitioning. Right, partition key propagation, right? We need to <laughs> propagate this partitioning approach to like dependent tables. This is quite obvious, I think, right? And uh, again, like if we partition, we need to make sure all our queries or at least most of them don't deal with more than one or just a couple of partitions. Uh, otherwise, this we can have another amplification. It's not index write amplification, but index planning time locking related amplification. Because if you have partitioning and your query deals with multiple partitions, each partition has, for example, five indexes. If you deal with four partitions, you already have 20 logs Plus, plus table, so 24, right, logs to be acquired. And it, it definitely goes above this threshold 16, so fast path won't be there for some logs, and uh, locking will be slow. So you do need prepare statements at least. Or you need to just make sure con uh, constant exclusion is working and, and uh, you, your plans target just one or a couple of partitions always. Yeah. Better one, right? And that's it. Of course. Awesome. And if it, if it's join, if it join also, oh, of course, if you join often, uh, main table has many indexes. Extra table has many indexes. If you, when you just select from it, uh, planner needs to lock all. Uh, I mean, planner at planning time, we also need to lock all of them. Actually, with uh, with like lowest possible heavy lock, access share lock, just to avoid uh, DDL to happen while we are reading. But all indexes, even those which not needed, will be locked. This is the key. We discussed it. So if you split to two tables, but need to join often, and this join query needs to be very frequent, it's worthless to split. I, I, well, it's worse. I want to we, we've actually it's added worse. a relation. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we added relation plus one, okay. But and we also need to perform a join now. So yeah. it's worse. So you if you offload something, you need to be very careful. You need to like columns which rarely used, or columns which need to be very frequently updated, columns which no, shouldn't be indexed, or indexed and rarely used. I guess there are like some maybe like design patterns here worth Developing, uh, I, like what we discussed is kind of raw material. Uh, we need to polish it, I guess, before saying well, this is a, like, a And the whole, the whole point of this episode was it's a trade-off, right? Like 
there are going to be cases where one of these makes sense and there are going to be cases where the opposite makes sense. Right. Yeah, it's, it's better if it's a serious system that will need to handle a lot of queries per second. It's worth checking, prototyping, filling with uh, like millions of rows, hundreds of millions of rows, and just testing, testing, testing various scenarios. With uh, concurrent selects. It's really important, right? That was your right. tip last Well, uh, it depends. So you might uh, have only single session uh, experiments and already understand a lot. If you use buffers, you see IO, and that's it. But if you need to check uh, the behavior of the buffer pool of log manager, in this case, of course, you need full-fledged benchmarking multi-session experiments, and you need to be alone on that machine. But this, we had also episode about experimenting and that benchmarking. So here I, I see value in both approaches, just different value. Right. Wonderful. Was there anything else you wanted to make sure we talked about? I guess that's it. It's not all, far from being all, far from being polished. But I encourage everyone to think about their particular case with experiments. I don't call them benchmarks because explain, analyze, Buffers, it's also like performance-related experiment. You can check plans, but it doesn't feel like benchmark, right? But just from this single thing, you can do many good optimizations. Right? So experimenting is the key for understanding your particular case. Yeah. I hope we highlighted directions of analysis, right? This is the probably the, the main value of this episode. Okay, if you liked it, please... Like, subscribe, and share. I'm talking to our listeners. Oh, I was th- thought you were talking to me. Uh, thanks <laughs> so, so much, Nikolai. Yeah, I've noticed when you upload to YouTube, you don't like. I, I usually fix it myself, and I like our <laughs> video because... <laughs> yeah. Okay, thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Bye.